0: This is the intro that I never thought I would write. As we say aloha to what TBS's The Comedy Festival called the funniest film of 2008. And while that is high praise, I can't help but see the pain behind those eyes. And according to Kunu, there's only one cure for that. However, since we're not that kind of podcaster, instead we'll take a page out of Aldous Snow's book and remind ourselves that we have to do something. So let's get this movie inside of you as we ask the question for getting Sarah Marshall. What's it about? I'm Ricardo Blade Diaz. And I'm Seth Crow. And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, the show where two aspiring creatives and the gleam the meaning of it all through the media we consume. Pulling a mirror up to ourselves and seeing how it reflects in our own lives. Seth, so good to see you today. You as well, sir. Thank you. Yeah, Seth just got back from a Mexico vacation. See. See, <laughs> we were chatting a little bit about it before, before uh, we started rolling, and uh, yeah, it sounded like a pretty awesome trip, dude.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, I, Sarah. So my my girlfriend is fully. Uh, she speaks fluent Spanish, so it's always nice to go because we can get around and we can do cool stuff because she knows how to navigate everywhere, um, and I'm slowly getting there. You know, like. Uh, I think if I spent six me- six months somewhere, uh, I might be able to be fluent. But six uh, months, you know, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah, six months. Mu- six months, I would. I would know the language and be able to speak it fluently. You know, I think. But I
0: think I, you could probably do less than six months for Spanish because you already have a base of Spanish a little bit,
1: right? But to be like fluent. totally, <laughs> gotcha. totally fluent, you got to be. Mi español está dos tres, pero sí. You know, like I I can, I can get by, I can order at a restaurant, you know, I can find the bathrooms, no problem. I can ask questions to a degree, like I can get, I can navigate a little bit, mm. but, you know, certain like little moments, just little moments of panic sometimes, like I had to go to the ATM and this is dumb. This is a dumb moment of panic. I had to go to the ATM uh, and I was like, I'm going to go by myself, you know. Mm -hmm. and Casero was waiting on tacos and and I was like, let me just go, you stay here I get to the ATM and I'm like I'm pretty sure these dollar signs mean pesos but I don't know for sure I'm like 90% sure and I was like, I don't want to pull out $2,000 from my account (laughs) which, I mean, I don't even have $2,000 in my account, so it's like Mm. Well, I would have given you the answer It would
0: have been like, no Yeah
1: but it's just like little moments like that, you know, that you can't be sure because you can't read. Ask somebody. You know? so, yeah, yeah, you can't ask somebody. So I mean, it worked out. But was it pesos? Yeah. See,
0: see, <laughs> total <laughs> pesos. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome, that's funny. And uh, while you were there, did you happen to run into any X's? <laughs> uh,
1: no, no X's, no <laughs> X's. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would have been rough.
0: <laughs> Speaking of which, yeah. uh, Seth, uh, we're, today we are watching 2008's Forgetting Sarah Marshall. This was my pick uh, this week um, because the director of this film uh, is directing, has a movie coming out this week called Bros uh, with Billy Eichner. Um, Nicholas Stoller is the director. This was his feature film directorial debut, and it's honestly one of my all-time favorite romantic comedies. Um, it's so, really funny. It's, it's so funny. funny. I, like, not only is it, here's the thing, it's not always even trying to be that funny. You know, it's, yeah. it has such a, I mean, we'll get into a little bit, but I love how it's just like, it just feels so genuine in so many ways. Yeah. Like, yeah. even like the humor feels like it's coming from a very real place and like, like it's like a lot of situational humor. Yeah. Um, like, there are jokes and like, but I was like, there actually are surprisingly not that many one liners in this film. Like, it's not like they're flinging out zingers left and right. You know what I mean? It's, it's It's, all very grounded.
1: It's very well written. Like every, Mm -hmm. everything is very well written. And, uh, I do think there's, I I feel like there are great jokes. Oh no,
0: there there are absolutely great jokes. I, what I just mean is like, I think sometimes you'll watch a comedy film and comedy is really hard to, to write. Comedy is really hard to, to make because comedy is so subjective. And like, sometimes people think, Especially like as a writer right now, a lot of things, a lot of information, a lot of advice I get from like when I write like sitcoms and things like that is they want they want these things packed with jokes. They want like a joke a page or like you know, like they want they want this things to be packed with zingers. You know what I mean?
1: And so I I I think the humor is subtle in this a lot of the mm times, but I think I think it is packed. I think this 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 movie like. What you're talking about is the situational comedy. There's, it's, it's very well constructed. That there's a ton of humor the whole time. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it is non. Oh, it's so,
0: it is so funny, and it's humorous. You said the whole time, and anything, even the big, like more bombastic moments of that are a little bit more like exaggerated. It still feels so grounded. Like I think about the scene when he's like. He's, like, hitting the 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 projector screen with the with the music stand. And, like, that's kind of a, a yeah. really big overreaction. But it feels so real to him that, like, it yeah. doesn't feel, like, out of place and, like, wacky. It just, like, feels
1: very cool. honest. Well, and even the way the guy responds <laughs> to him, it's so L.A., you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you know you're not getting paid for this, right?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Okay. All right. All right. like. <laughs> Like that, L.A. Like, I'm I'm gonna let you deal with your emotions, but I'm gonna leave, and you're mm-hmm. not getting paid. You know, like. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, and so I love this movie, and I was like, I was surprised to have an opportunity that, to do it on this show. You know, we we have a list of movies that we do on the show, or like that we're going to do on the show. And typically, they're big movies that people would recognize. They're uh, tentpole movies. They're critically acclaimed films. It's not often we get to just revisit just a movie, you know, just a movie that people like and know. Um,
1: I I think this I think this movie would be pocketed into one of the all time best comedies. I, it's I, I, really I, good. It's, it would. It's unassuming. Yeah, I don't think it's just so. a movie. Yeah. It, it. I don't think it's just a a movie by any means um, mm-hmm. personally, and I think this is and like this is a. Maybe this is a hot take. Uh, I don't think it is personally, but I think this is this is the pinnacle of Mila Kunis's career. Like, I think this is wow. the best thing she ever did.
0: But really? Yep. Wow. Let me think. I'm trying to think. Well, well, what about like Black Swan?
1: Uh, okay. Maybe that's maybe so, but I, I wouldn't I think that's say that's the pinnacle she of is... her
0: acting. But I think like her.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean,
0: she's so likable in this movie.
1: She's yeah. so and, like
0: lovely and wonderful. It's, like she's this is where I fell in cast. love with her for sure. Like this she's I didn't wasn't a big cast. I wasn't a big that seventies show person. My my sister liked that seventies show. I I wasn't very big into it. Um I so love this it. is this is where I fell in love with Mila Kunis as as Rachel Jansen.
1: I forgot about Black Swan. I would say that's probably yeah, her artistic career, but this is like her like her film career, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like like She's great as Jackie, but that's just kind of what got her on the map, and it's a mm-hmm. caricature. Black Swan, yeah, it, has, it gives her artistic credential, and the fact that she, you know, danced and stuff is cool. But I think this movie is like her perfect niche.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: like this is where she belongs. Is a character like this, and it, it's, uh, yeah, it. it I, I think, I think it's a huge part of the film mm-hmm. is that you immediately like her yeah um,
0: no it was perfect and, know, i agree perfect casting yeah. she was she crushed it she's great
1: and and i think that all the care like what's so cool about this movie too is all the characters are so grounded and you don't dislike any of them really they're all people you know no, and even even aldis you know like by the end of the movie just you're say, kind of on aldis's team
0: yeah i was just gonna say that even even the characters that you're supposed to like hate like like, like all the snow, like Sarah Marshall, like you can see certain things that you like about them, and like like you're like, okay, this is the person, and yeah they they they're flawed and they they do things that aren't really great, but like there's still something think, to like about them
1: the I think this something that's fascinating about this movie, I was thinking about this so this is my like third time watching this movie. Mm-hmm. I actually watched it like a month ago, just to watch it. Holy shit! That's so, crazy. <laughs> and then, uh, and then we watched it last night. But um, and I'd seen it forever ago. But something that I find, I think the demographic of this film and the fact that it's so relatable, even though the demographic is so niche, like who they are,
0: mm-hmm. does that
1: make sense? Like, like being sort of like Sarah Marshall and uh, and Peter are like semi celebrities. You Mm -hmm. know, which is such a niche group of people, you know, like, like, well, there's a lot of, there's there's
0: a lot of in jokes a little bit. Yeah.
1: A little, uh, it's so relatable to to so many people with them being like pretty much very rich Hollywood folk, mm -hmm. you know, is, is kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I jumped at the opportunity to be able to to do this movie for this podcast because I never expected to really have a reason to, honestly. Um, not Just because, like, on a on back's kind of, like, behind-the-scenes look, you know, when we put out an episode, we can see, like, how many times it's been listened to and stuff, and it usually tends to be the films that are kind of more random don't get as yeah. many views. So things like The Big Chill, things like, Pain and Gain, things like No Country for Old Men, those are the, the are episodes that don't get as many listens because I think they just are, are a little bit disconnected from... Obscure. Yeah, a little bit more disconnected, but then things that are a little bit more rooted in the cultural zeitgeist uh, and the obviously big name movies do, do get better numbers. And so... People you know, see them, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so picking certain movies for the show, it can be... A balancing act for us where we're trying to balance yeah. what we think people will want to listen to, what we think people have seen, but also movies that we want to talk about. So I think this film rides that line. I don't think it's going to be one of our biggest ones, but I think it's a movie that most people that listen to our show probably have seen.
1: So yeah, People our age for sure. I mean, Exactly, is, yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So I'm excited to talk about this movie. Let's get into it. I'm super, super pumped. Let's talk about how this film came to be. So this film was directed by Nicholas Stoller. Nicholas Stoller also directed the spiritual sequel to this film, Get Him to the Greek, uh, The Five-Year Engagement, Neighbors, Neighbors 2, Sorority Row, Storks, and the upcoming uh, Billy Eichner film, Bros. This film was written
1: by – Pause. I have things to say about Get Him to the Greek. I just want you to uh, put a pin at that.
0: Okay. Okay. Get Him to the Greek. Okay. We'll talk about Get Him to the Greek. Okay. Don't – we won't forget. Don't let me forget. And then this film is uh, was written by Jason Segel. Jason Segel also wrote The Muppets' five-year engagement sex tape, which he also co-wrote with Stoller. And then he's also written for the uh, Dispatches from Elsewhere TV series and Windfall. Uh, so let's talk about how this film came to exist. Uh, it was a long road, actually. It might seem strange to think about now, but there was a time when comedy star Jason Siegel was just another struggling actor in Hollywood. Around the turn of the century, a young Siegel began to pop up on our TV screens with roles in in the short-lived Freaks and Geeks and Undeclared, but both shows ended up going nowhere and Siegel found himself fighting an uphill battle to success in the bids. However, Siegel had made a great impression on an emerging comedy icon. Judd Apatow, who at this point was an established comedy writer and producer. After working with Siegel on Freaks and Geeks, Undeclared, and Knocked Up a few years later, Apatow had clearly grown a liking to the lumbering funny man, and it was Apatow who gave Siegel the advice that would launch him into stardom. Apatow told Siegel that he had what it takes to make it in the industry, but Siegel is, quote, a really weird guy, and the only way you're going to make it The way you want to make it is if you write your own material. Siegel would follow Apatow's advice, taking that to heart, and not long after had written the script for today's film, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. The story for this film was inspired by a compilation of Siegel's own regrettable relationships and breakups, including that of his separation from former Freaks and Geeks co-star Linda Cardellini. Siegel himself even admits that he had the naked breakup scene in his own life, uh, and the Dracula puppet musical was something that Siegel had actually tried to write and get made years prior. So, a lot of personal experience going into this film. At this time, Apatow himself had ascended to super producer stardom with the successes of Knocked Up and The 40 Year Old Virgin. So, he asked Siegel if he had any ideas for a feature film. Siegel gave Apatow a rough outline of this script, and within three days, He had received contracts from Universal to make the movie, and after a few rewrites, the film was officially a go. Siegel and Apatow brought on their close friend Nicholas Stoller to direct the film in his feature film directorial debut, and the cast was filled out with a few Apatow regulars, and they were all brought together to film in both Los Angeles and Hawaii. Ultimately, the film would go on to be a massive success after it hit theaters in April of 2008, grossing over $105 million on a $30 million budget and receiving an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, a rare feat for a comedy. The film would also make Siegel a household name as his career as a leading man took off with many rom-coms under his belt and as the lovable lawyer Marshall Erickson from How I Met Your Mother. 2008 is now 14 years in the past and yet... Forgetting Sarah Marshall remains one of those enduring rom-coms of the last 20 years, creating a cultural impact that I'm not sure is always getting its due. But for me, I think this is certain. We won't be forgetting Forgetting Sarah Marshall anytime soon. That's the story of Forgetting Sarah Marshall.
1: Cool, man. I, I uh, yeah, this is, this is so the story of this movie is, I think, actually uh, one that's better known than most mm-hmm. uh, because because Jason Siegel wrote it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you, for you and I especially, like, this is like one of those stories that's like inspiring to, to create, you know, like this is like the Jason Siegel is kind of the template for the guys we want to be, you mm-hmm. know, like. Uh, it's like, oh, well, I've always been kind of weird. Uh, but I know I have a creative mind. If I could just get something down on paper, maybe I can write the next forgetting Sarah Marshall, you know, Mm -hmm. like maybe I can, maybe I can, uh, make my way in Hollywood this way and then I can Mm -hmm. act and then I can do all the things I want to do. You know, uh, it's definitely somebody I admire.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I agree. And you're right. Like that, me, like you said, me and you were both probably considered like, like we talked about. We're not cool in the traditional sense, right? You know, we right. never were. And Siegel himself was like, I wasn't really cool. Like, you know, I've heard, I've heard him do interviews where he talks about, you know, he was a basketball player in in high school, so he was kind of an, the athlete guy. But secretly, he was like going to like theater theater camps and like taking theater classes and yep. putting on puppet shows in his room that he would film. And so he was kind of like a, a closet weirdo, um, yeah, 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 and and that translates into like when he gets his freaks and geeks break, you know, and 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 kind of the, that's where he met Apatow because uh, Apatow was an executive producer and writer on that show. Man, and so, freaks and geeks. Yeah, um, a, and so yeah, what, what, what a show! Yeah, what a show! I mean, and you know, Seth Rogen, James Franco, Linda Cardellini, uh, a lot yeah, their their starts there.
1: It's the foundation um, for like so much now, you know, mm-hmm. which is, which is wild.
0: Yeah. And it's something I love about Apatow and, you know, I don't always love his films, but something that I really like that he does, he does these non-traditional leads a lot. So like yeah. Steve Carell, James, uh, Seth Rogen, Jason Siegel, Billy Eichner, like he does these, these guys that you wouldn't normally put in the lead of a romantic comedy, Yeah. you know? And, and puts them front and center. And it's obviously for somebody like me, uh, something that is wonderful to see. Because, you know, you don't yeah. always see yourself in that context sometimes, especially when traditional Hollywood romantic comedies are two very pretty people who meet and fall in love type of thing, you know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. okay, no, like we can have our love stories too type of thing. So it's really nice. Um, and yeah, like just for the fact that he, you know, is talented and, and see and uh, Apatow really liked Siegel. He's like he got to a point where it's like, you know, uh rising tide raises all boats type of situation, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And so because he was just made a good impression on Apato and became pretty good friends with him, like he's like, Hey, I'm in a place where I can make anything. Like I, I can green light anything. What do you ha- what do you got? Yeah. You know? I,
1: I'm I'm so jealous of that cast. I'm so jealous of that cast, you know, like that's, mm-hmm. that's wild. Talk about right place at the right time, you know, mm-hmm. like, but you know, we can dream still, right? We can
0: dream still. <laughs> I mean, it's not over. You know? I was just like thinking like, I listened to a, a podcast, this, uh, script notes podcast, which is a screenwriters podcast. I highly recommend for any writers out there. It's fantastic. Um, uh, it's two screenwriters, uh, John August and Craig Mazin. Um, Craig Mazin, who was the writer, creator behind Chernobyl, and who's also the writer, showrunner of the upcoming Last of Us on HBO, yeah. you know, he had a career mostly writing comedy. Like, he wrote, like, The Identity Thief. He wrote superhero movie, the pair, like, the the spoof movie about superheroes. Like, a lot yeah. of his career was, like, very, like, middle-of-the-road comedy stuff. And, you know, not really great, not really respected work, right, quote-unquote. Right. And then he writes Chernobyl and his whole career like takes off. And then he gets to write The Last of Us on HBO, like one of the the biggest video game adaptations of all time, you know? So like, and he he talks about, he's like, I don't know how this happened either. I just made, it just kept making things that I wanted to make. And eventually like I wrote something that people like, was like, this has value. (laughs) He's like, okay, (laughs) cool. You know? And like, that's the kind of thing that like, you know that happened later in his life so it's not too late for us you know he's like he didn't find his like critical acclaim until much later
1: yeah so there's time for us it's for me it's like it's less about critical acclaim what i just like i have these ideas in my head mm-hmm. that i just don't know how to get out and it's like if i had the resources then maybe they could come out you know mm-hmm. and uh so for me it's like what is the thing that's gonna like lead to me being able to get the things in my head on paper or or mm-hmm. or to be made? You know, I mean,
0: I think that's something that that all writers and creators struggle with, right? I mean, so I just finished uh, this the horror this horror screenplay that I've been working on for a couple of years now, and I originally started writing it during the pandemic because I was like, I just want to write something. Silly and not putting pressure on it because sometimes like I take things, things I'm writing so preciously that I can't finish them because it's not exactly coming out the way I want it to or I'm just like struggling to get like get through it because I'm holding it so tightly. So I started writing this script. I was like, I'm just going to let this be something that I don't really care too much about. But like it's something for me to like yeah. sharpen my my skills with. Right. And it ended up taking two years to write. But it's done now and it's not That's bad. Cool. It's not bad. It's not the most amazing thing I'll ever write, I hope. But it's, it's, it's <laughs> pretty solid. And I've shown it to a few people and it's, it's got, gotten some pretty good responses. Um, cool. But like, it was funny because I was stuck around like page 60 and yeah. I, I was kind of starting to slog through it as like it started meaning something to me a little bit more as it was getting closer to being done. And then like, yeah. I got stuck right around page 60 and I was like, I don't know if I can be able to finish this. And then like one week, I had, I did a streak of like three days in a row where I wrote like ten to twelve pages a day, and just like it was like something just came over weird? me and it was and it just isn't woof, that weird. W- Zoom through like it, man. for me,
1: if it's there, it's there. If it's not there, then there's just no hope. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think I think you know this is. I think we're tapping into what I think this movie's about a little bit. So, uh, ah. if, if you. Uh, maybe we should give the plot synopsis, and then we should get into it.
0: Okay. All right, guys. Let's talk about what it is. We're going to do the what is it game. What is it game? I don't know. We don't really have a title for this yet. Some, some. What, we should come up with a title for this game.
1: I think it's like the logline game. Or like – Oh. It's, it's like the – Like, uh, we got to come up with something a
0: little bit pithier, but like log, yeah, the log line. Well, I mean, like, this
1: is the, what is it? This is the, what is it? Portion of the podcast, but this game we play is like flog the log or something like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, I'm going to flog the log here. sounds like a (laughs) euphemism for masturbation.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a few of those jokes in this movie.
0: Oh yeah. All right. So here is the plot synopsis, the log line for Forgetting Sarah Marshall as written by Moi. And Seth's gonna score me. I'm <clears> gonna <throat> vlog. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> After a messy breakup with a celebrity girlfriend, Peter Bretter decides to take a beautiful Hawaiian vacation in an attempt to get over her. However, he quickly discovers his ex is staying at the exact same hotel but with her new rock star boyfriend.
1: Perfect. I I gave you a perfect 10 on this one.
0: Woo!
1: Yes! I mean, I almost thought Jonah Hill should be mentioned, but... (laughs) (laughs) Because of the, because of the, uh, uh, getting to the Greek of it all. So here's the deal. Really quickly. I I think that was a great long line. I, I, I gotta, I gotta mention get him to the Greek.
0: Go ahead. This is really the time great. before we get into what is yes. it.
1: Or what uh, so, What's it about? <laughs> what's it about? So, I think there's a huge missed opportunity to make get him to the Greek a full spinoff. Why can't mm-hmm. this guy from I agree. Jonah Hill is in both. It, it's it's just disappointing, you know. Mm-hmm. And all it takes, all it takes, is like a line. It doesn't take any. It doesn't take any effort to make Joni Hill's character the same guy you know maybe maybe they're worried about him being too obsessive or whatever but like i don't know it just feels like it it just feels like you could start the character there in that place that obsessive place and it digress as the film goes you know like to make him a completely different character is just i think wrong um i think it's wrong so here's my opinion on this
0: cuz initially i i thought the same thing when i first yeah. saw him to Greek*. Like, like, my brain was like, this is a little confusing, you know? Because this is the same yeah. world and this is literally the same actor, but they're different people. And so, like, at that time, I was like, this is confusing to me. Um, however, now that I think about it I, I, and I'm a writer, it's actually it would be way harder. Not harder, but it would it would change the movie a lot more than you think. Because the movie would then become about – How like all this doesn't recognize him, and they're like kind of they're like the way he treated them in the past. Like you can't really do the same movie with them having past history like that, you know?
1: Maybe like the relationship would
0: just be would be different.
1: I do think the relationship would be different. I think, I think it would it would would
0: change subtle parts of the the adventure of the movie. Yeah,
1: it would definitely change. It would definitely change uh, Jonah Hill's character significantly mm-hmm. he's a lot more relatable in get him to the greek because he's oh, like yeah. a regular guy with a girl yeah, he's a
0: weirdo you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's
1: Marshall. yeah he's a total weirdo but I, I don't i don't think it would take much effort honestly to get to the same character i think you mm-hmm. can i think you could write it to where it he's like grown up a little bit you know it, it would take it might take some a, a sequence of some kind mm-hmm. you know but I I I just think it's I think it's as a fan disappointing, you know. T- it's disappointing. I mean,
0: I would say this: like, had we gotten that movie originally, like had it been the same character, I think we we couldn't imagine it in any other way, right? In that metaphorical f- f- future, in that hypothetical future, there's no way we could think, oh no, it could be the same. It can be the same. It could have been the same actor, but different characters. We would never even imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, I just think that as much as like that might satisfy what we think we want, I don't think it would have made for a better movie.
1: I, 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 I want to see it. I want to see the original universe I know. version.
0: There, there are these things that happen, I think, in, in movies and things like that where it's like, oh, like we have an idea of like, oh, if they would have done this, I want to see that. And it's like, but would it have right. made it a better movie? But I don't also, know.
1: also, but also you it would have in some cases, like think about Deadpool. The ori- think about the original Deadpool and the choices that it? the producers made. It oh, was about awful. him
0: being, yeah. Like, oh, you're talking about when the he shows X-Men up Origins in, Deadpool.
1: In the X-Men Origins, like Deadpool shows up and they're, you're just like, this is wrong. This is absolutely wrong. Other than Ryan Reynolds playing the character, hmm. you know, sometimes they get it wrong, man. And then Ryan Reynolds had to go back and fix it, which was great. Which I don't know if anybody's seen the new tra- the new spoiler trailer. I've not. I'm not going to tell you. You should watch it. It's pretty. Cool. Watch it. It's pretty. Uh, cool. but, I,
0: but I've he- I've heard a little spoiler.
1: About I'm it. sure if I'm sure you've he- I'm sure you know the it, big if, spoiler. Yeah. The big spoiler. If you've if you've not seen the trailer, but they do a good job of like. Yeah, you should watch but it.
0: But I yeah. think the difference between that and. Deadpool and get him to the Greek or like the forgetting Sarah Marshall verse. Is that Deadpool lends himself to that type of thing because of the his like fourth wall breaking meta humor that he, as a character, is inherently a part of him. So he can comment on that without changing the story really. He could just be like, ah, that was a thing, but like we don't have to talk about that anymore. You know what I mean? He has that ability to comment on a thing, but But not the initial. The
1: initial. But the initial choice from the producers to make that decision, there was mm-hmm. they had no knowledge that the original Deadpool, the new the what the Deadpool we have now would ever exist, you know. Mm-hmm. So they just made the bad choice when it came to Deadpool initially.
0: I'm not saying that uh, the original choices of filmmakers aren't sometimes the worst choice. I, in this case, in the Deadpool case, that was the worst choice. I'm yeah. saying forgive him the Greek I don't know I don't know because like I said we don't have this movie I don't know if that necessarily would have created a better narrative and a better emotional journey for the character if he was if he was the same guy or if he's just a different guy
1: let's uh, let's uh, maybe we'll add get we him to the Greek to our watch list. yeah yeah, yeah yeah we, we, we might need the... to we might need to but what I'll say on the matter is I think it's almost false advertising. So That's it's a like, fair
0: point. like it was. It's so, almost like a
1: stunt casting, almost. Yeah, like, like you go into this movie being like, one of your favorite things about Forgetting Sarah Marshall is that, re- like, like it's such yeah, a that memorable relationship. Yeah, you know. And so it's like, oh man, I would love to see a movie where it's just those two guys, you know. And so, and if you think about it, Get Him to the Greek is way less memorable than Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Like, I know people have seen, like way less people have seen it and mm-hmm. it doesn't have nearly as good critical. It's effect. not
0: revered quite as much. Yeah. No, it's fun, nope. but not, not nearly as fun as for getting Sarah Marshall. But I, yeah. I, I like certain moments of getting to the Greek quite a bit. I mean, the music is super memorable and getting to the Greek, like the, the song yeah. about
1: the clap and. But think about the dynamic, the comedic dynamic that I think. I oh man, I don't, don't want to keep talking about this, but we, I have to get it out. Uh, I think there's a lot more room for comedy if Jonah Hill's character is the guy that we. Then it's two. It's two clowns, you know, going back and forth <laughs> as opposed to as opposed to a, a a straight man and a clown, you know. Like Jonah Hill is a clown. Jonah Hill should be a, like he's quippy and get him to the Greek and like kind of mean, but he's not. He's not doing what Jonah Hill does best. I don't think. I I mean, we like I said
0: we'll talk about this another time. But I don't, yeah yeah let's, I, I let's love the <laughs> I love the screaming Jonah Hill gif of him going like yeah, I use that yeah. all the time that gif when I get excited. <laughs> I love that screaming Jonah yeah. Hill myth, gif. Uh, but yeah, so let's talk about this movie. Let's talk about Forgetting yeah, Sarah yeah, Marshall yeah, 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 yeah. and Sorry. what it's about. So. Seth, I'm going to ask the question, since this is my pick, I'm asking the question today, and you're going to tell me what you think. So, Seth, ah, I hit a bag. So, Seth, forgetting Sarah Marshall, what's it about?
1: Oh, okay. I mean, I think if I had to boil it down to one thing, personal growth, and, uh, like, you know, there's a lot of – of love stuff uh, in that. Uh, like, but if I like, the movie obviously has a lot of like romantic stuff going on. Um, but I think what's, what it is really about is personal growth and finding a way to become your full imagined self or imagine self so hard where uh, full, full, reaching your full potential and how. You don't really have a lot of control over when and how that happens. It's really difficult to um, to just decide to do something, you know.
0: Well, uh, we, we've talked about this on the show a little bit about like risks and things like that, but like like you said, like personal growth, like real, actual, like growth as a human being is so hard to self generate. Yeah. You can't just like be yeah. like, I'm yeah. going to make a major fundamental change about myself. Yeah. Out of and nowhere. It's, it's it just I doesn't, mean,
1: sometimes like you hear those stories about like, you know, Dwayne the Rock Johnson just deciding not to be depressed anymore. And he just like becomes the epic monster of a human being that he is. And it's like, I, I don't know if I buy that totally. I feel like there had to be like a foundation of continuous trauma or something. And then finally something switches in his head. I I don't think that it's impossible that a light switch can turn on and off, you know, for personal growth, but usually it's slow, methodical, and uh, unexpected, you know, usually something is, there's a catalyst, you know, something triggers or it's not growing as a human being is not easy. I mean, like, I relate to this character so much I relate to him painfully. So almost, um, and you know, I have like, I kind of mentioned earlier, I have so much stuff in my head that I want to get out, but I just, I have a hard time doing it. And, uh, my fear is that I'm never gonna, and I'm just, I've missed the boat. And, uh, it's, it's hard, you know? Um, I think the best metaphor in this movie for personal growth uh, is the cliff. Um, Such a good and, scene, too. Yeah. I, I like, so, like, Mila Kunis is able to make the leap, you know, um, pretty easily. But, you know, even then, it's only with Peter up there with her. She's, I don't think she's ever actually been up there, which is kind of implied. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like, Oh, I hear that's a pain in the ass, you know, like, so it's like, she would never have gone if he hadn't wanted to go. And then she's able to jump and she knows people jump off there. I'm sure she's like aware that it's a place people jump off of, but like when, so like she's able to do it. Right. But it took, she had never gotten to the point without, Peter, right? So like, she wouldn't have gone and jumped without it. Mm-hmm. And then you have Peter who go wants to go up there, and he gets all the way to the edge, and he's like, "I'm not jumping." He didn't even think like he couldn't even get to the point of like knowing that he could jump. And then she jumps, and it's like, "Oh, hey, now I have to jump." And then he <laughs> oh, I I, I killed her. <laughs> I killed her. <laughs> But then he jumps and he screws it up, and he has to hang on for dear life. Yeah, like, and it's not—he has to like literally be walked through getting off the clip. So, maybe I just, you think, just
0: push off the wall with your feet, like a frog.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just think it's a, a really great metaphor for like it's not—it's not easy to jump, you know, and like you mm-hmm. might mess it up, and there's so much, so many factors that that get you to the point of jumping, you know, like Mm -hmm. she's just like, just leap, you know? And it's like, yeah, you have to have the desire to, or at least the will or the faith or some just something pushing you to the edge. But, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really hard and it doesn't always go the way you plan it. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I think the metaphor overall with Hawaii is that sometimes you do have to give yourself time. You know, sometimes you do have to relax and just, you know, have the, have the Malibu and pineapple in the morning to mm-hmm. get to the point of being able to do other things, you know, mm-hmm. and, I, uh, yeah. Uh, well, yes, I,
0: personal growth is definitely like what you, like you said, like what is so just inherently built into this into this film about like, yes, I totally one hundred percent agree with you. I think what I would just mix into that a little bit more is an idea of comfort zones, yeah. like where you get where you get comfortable, and and that it, personal growth kind of it, it relates to that, right? When you find a place that of comfort, and we talk about this a lot, I'm I this is what I do a lot. When you find a place that works for you, you tend to stagnate there because cuz why risk the going out of this safe area that you that you've discovered right why yeah. why put yourself in in danger when you find a little safe pocket so there's comfort zones here and i think all these characters have that but also obviously a mixture of to- also toxic relationships is in there too about how when two people who might care about each other very much just like aren't like you said aren't in a place, a mature enough place to be together and you see how that kind of can reflect on them. And, and to go back to Rachel for a second, Rachel is such an interesting character because so, so Peter's our is our main focus and we can very clearly see that Peter is immature, right? We see it.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, he, he goes to a pediatrician for an STD screening. Like that, if that doesn't symbolize that he's a child, you know? Peter is a child. Right. <laughs> um, I don't know what does, and so we obviously can obviously see that in Peter that he's immature, he's he's not fully formed, he's he's not grown. We see it come out in Sarah later, that her immaturity and her insecurities come out later because she's in a place she's yeah. in her comfort zone. She's she's on a, a successful show. She's kind of a not a big deal in Hollywood, but like a big enough deal that people. Are excited to see her when she goes out in public and stuff like that.
1: She's a, a celebrity. She's. She a is a
0: celebrity. celebrity. She is a celebrity. Um, and all the comfort that comes along with being financially stable, socially stable, like she's good. She's in her comfort zone, and only when her comfort zone gets yeah. broken do we see her insecurities come out. Uh, Rachel is the interesting one here because Rachel seems super adventurous. Rachel seems very alive, right? Like she brings yeah. Peter to life. But the thing about Rachel is Rachel doesn't risk anything ever. Like she moved to Hawaii with a boyfriend. He cheated on her. And so she just stayed, found a nice cushy job. And while she seems adventurous because she's kind of just like has this like very like like, live wire personality, she doesn't actually risk anything of value. Right. Like she doesn't, she's, she's, she doesn't date. She doesn't. She doesn't think about going back to school. She
1: she just she's does does for other people, right? She does. She's comfortable doing things for other people, mm-hmm. and um, she doesn't know how to do something for herself. I don't think.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so she she doesn't she doesn't risk her actually risk her own vulnerability ever, right? Yeah. And so that's the thing that Peter helps her so. learn how to how how to do. You know? And so it's very interesting because you think that Rachel's got her shit together, but she actually doesn't, you know?
1: Um Right. I mean she's she's I mean she is in that same boat, you know. She's like she is just stagnant because she's in a in a beautiful place. I think I mean that's really like we we see her crazy the moment that Sarah St- jabs at her. That's when, mm-hmm. I, I. This is something I noticed about her character this time that I didn't notice uh, in the prior watches. Is like, oh, like you're getting to see her crazy. It's just mm-hmm. very subtle. Like we we know she is crazy because the way she dealt with her ex. Yeah. You know? She like immediately reverts back to like psycho Rachel,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you know, uh, probably major codependent Rachel, like you know, she's, she's probably still in a way like that, that are that she is s- still fighting with this guy, you know, there's mm-hmm. no resolution. So that means that she's still struggling with the idea of it being over, you know? Well, yeah. And, and, and,
0: and we hear this, this is one throw, almost like a throwaway line, but like, it's something I think that's very interesting. She's like, like we had an agreement that you would stay on your own side of the island, right? Yeah. Like, it, yeah. like it was like he's like, yeah, but it was like a a, a, a three year agreement or something like that, and it's yeah. like it's over. Like, and yeah. she's like, he's well, trying to move, move on, right? Yeah. And and so she, she's, she's, she's still stuck, you know. exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and it's like, so it just kind like of
0: gets tossed away, but it's actually something very interesting about no, like how she, how she's unresolved.
1: That, that's that's what, like what's so great about this movie is it really does show how it how hard it is to end relationships and how to get how it how hard it is to move on from from someone like that and and so like she still hasn't moved on it's not until sarah says to her like like i don't want to i wouldn't want to live in hawaii you know it's just people trying to escape their problems you know and it's just mm-hmm. distraction and it's like that's the moment that she's like, what? And she decides to go after Peter. Like she, Mm -hmm. she has not made real moves until Sarah stabs at her. And it's like, okay, I'll show you, I'll show you girl what I can do. And so, and I mean like she even, okay, she works at the hotel, right? Mm -hmm. She knows their rooms are right next to each other. Yeah. So it's like, like, Really, Mila Kunis or uh, uh, Rachel Rachel. is Rachel is the one that starts the sex off, you know, Mm -hmm. like she's the one that is like, I'm going to have sex with your ex and you're going to hear it that like, Mm -hmm. you know, and she's like and she knows what she knows what Peter's doing when he joins in. And, you know, like it's it's that like that's her crazy like you see her crazy in this movie way Mm -hmm. more. Uh, if you pay attention and so, yeah, uh, uh, I don't know why we were talking about her. Uh, while well, we were talking well, about, we were
0: talking, we were talking about comfort zones and, and yeah. like, a personal, personal growth and how, when you find a comfort zone, it's really, really hard to move
1: past it. You may not unless, even be able to unless- get past it yourself.
0: Exactly, unless something comes in and makes that comfort zone uncomfortable or wrecks that comfort zone. Like I said, we see it with Sarah. Sarah plays like she's so confident and that she has everything figured out because her life is comfortable. She she's on a very successful show. She she has a lot of money. She's dating a rock star boyfriend in Alda Snow. Like she she everybody loves her. Every time she walks around, everybody's like, it's it's Sarah Marshall. Sarah Marshall's here. We're so excited. Everybody caters to her, and you know she's getting serenaded in public, and she just yeah. loves it. You know she loves I see it. See what you did
1: there, serenaded. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, you know something I mean? something something you didn't mention in the uh, how this movie was made uh, stuff. And Sarah, my girlfriend's name Sarah, uh, was reading some BuzzFeed stuff about this movie last night and so apparently all the snow uh so what's the guy what's the actor's name russell brand Uh, russell brand when they when they were casting this (laughs) he showed up to the audition he was like you know like i i kind of glanced at the script but what's it what's it about (laughs) so like he hadn't read the script at the beginning of the audition and so like they rewrote the character entirely for based him? off of his inter- for, for it based off, based off his interaction at that audition.
0: Oh my god! So,
1: I mean, isn't that crazy to be That's that funny. charming? To be that charming, just show up and be like, "What? I, I'm not really sure what's going on here, but you know, I want to play. Let's so, give it a try. It. Let me, give, let me yeah. give it a
0: try. <laughs> let's give it a go." <laughs> and,
1: and another one, another real quick thing, like movie thing. Like, I think the most unsung character in this movie. Is uh, uh, I think his name is it's it's whatever Paul Rudd's character is, <laughs> Chuck <name. laughs>
0: or Kunu means yeah. Chuck.
1: <laughs> he's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. He has so many it's good so lines. Oh, funny! Apparently,
0: he's like he was one of the ones that was able to improvise the most, and so like a lot of that stuff was improv. And of course, oh it's Paul gosh. Rudd, but he's so the yeah. weather outside
1: is weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you sound like you're from London. Like that moment <laughs> when he's like suffering on the beach and like they're waiting for the <gasps> uh, for the meds and he's like oh you sound like you're from London <laughs> oh, you so- my, my other favorite people. my other favorite line from him was when they're out on the ocean and he's like he's like I really respect that you just be able to be like out here you know not really caring about time and just like he's like yeah he's like it's like I, I'm not really sure how old I am if I don't want to you know put a number to it he's like, well, I guess if I had to put a number to it would be like 44. And then he has this beat and he's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like he never yeah. thought about how old he was yeah. before.
0: <laughs> uh, it's great. Man, uh, uh, man, I stopped wearing a watch when I moved out here. Yeah. Oh, man, that's so great. Well, yeah, my phone has a clock on it, so I don't really need it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kunu's yeah, great. Clock. Let Kunu great. be your instincts. Don't try to yeah. serve. Don't do it. All right, now pop up. Yeah. Okay, no, no, do less. (laughs) Do less, yeah. No, you got to do more than that. You're just laying there. It looks like you're boogie boarding.
1: (laughs) He's great. So what in (laughs) – so I guess we've both landed on comfort or uh, personal growth is a theme and that that comfort zones, I wouldn't call them dangerous, but they're just – because sometimes you need a comfort zone to be able to grow, you know? Like you can't – if you're constantly expelling energy, you're not going to be able to use like – So yeah, you will – like
0: it's really hard to grow when you're constantly under threat, right? Yeah. Like if you think about it like this, if you try and grow a plant on like the side of a cliff that's constantly like eroding away, it's going to be really hard for for – that plant to establish roots to be able to grow. Right. Yeah. And so there needs to be a little bit of stability that you're able to then grow from. Cause like, you know, there's like the hierarchy of needs, right? You can't really, yeah. you can't really be comfortable in your life if you don't have certain needs met. So like you're right. Comfort zones are not necessarily a bad thing. Like being, being in a safe place is not bad necessarily, but it's when you think that safe places as far as you're willing to go. Like once you get comfortable yeah. somewhere and you're like, I refuse to, to leave this comfortable spot to, to risk anything. Like I said, it's not necessarily bad in like some people can live a very comfortable life and that's great. Like living a comfortable life for some people would be miraculous. You know, yeah. would be amazing. So we, I don't want to I don't want to be insensitive and say like being comfortable is like a bad thing. You're right, like because it's not like, but the minute you start thinking that this is this is the best you can be, like this is this is the best life I can possibly live right now. This is the best version of myself. The minute you start feeling that way, you're probably wrong.
1: Right. Well, I hope so. I. <sighs> I am always I'm so I have this weird fear that I've already had the best moment of my life. <laughs> <It makes laughs> like sense. I I don't know like I just worry that I, I don't want to have had already had the best moment of my life. But it's like you know like if you saw your life played out in front of you, like what if your best moment was this moment from the time you were seven years old, you know, and that's is like it you know, to to quote another podcast is like, that's as good as it gets, you know? Um, so it's like a this weird fear that I have.
0: Seth, I don't think you've had your peak moment when you were seven. I,
1: I mean, maybe not. I don't know. But I mean, like, I'm definitely like...
0: Well, when you say peak, do you mean like peak happiness? Or do you mean like peak, like uh, you as a person, like you were the best version of yourself when you were
1: seven years old? Maybe both. I don't know. I, I don't know. I... I that's only half of what I wanted to say. Like I'm getting convoluted a little as usual, but I, you know, comfort zones are like, what if, yeah. Like what if I, I'm scared I'm going to give up, you know, like on, Mm -hmm. on the things I, I want, but at the same time, how do you know when it's like this is in this movie, you know, like, like the relationship with Sarah Marshall is a really good example of letting go of something that you want, you know? Mm Uh, so how do you know, how do you know when to let go of something you want and, and letting go of something, sometimes letting go of something you want is how you grow as a person, you know? And so, yeah. so
0: So I think, I think the way to think about that is, like the thing that you want doesn't necessarily mean it's the thing that's best for you, right? And so like right. part of growth is real – like how do you know when? I think you know when when you've reached a point in your growth when you can recognize it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so we see but, in the beginning of this movie, Peter in his house has so much like couples memorabilia. He's got calendars. He's got mugs. He's got so much – plastered about him in this relationship like he puts so much of his self-value in his relationship with Sarah yeah and then when she comes in she's like I can't be with you anymore he doesn't even understand why and because he's just so codependent on her you know and he just doesn't see his own behavior and it's not until he's able to get away like you know his little his comfort zone gets shaken and so he has to yeah. grow, and it's not. And we even see him backslide a little bit when, when he and Sarah partially hook up a little bit uh, towards the end of the movie, because, like you said, it, he he's just on that precipice of fully being understanding that that what he wants, which he, inside he kind of wants to be with Sarah again.
1: Yeah, it's not well, until that I moment
0: think- that he realizes that's not what he wants, and that's not what's best for him. He's grown beyond that.
1: Yeah. And man, there's like three things I want to say at the same time. So first I want to say, I think the whole, whole, all of the whole being in Hawaii surfing is really great for like that scene with Paul Rudd though. It's funny is very true, right? Like do nothing, do nothing like, like you got to do it, but you got to do nothing. You know, if you try too hard, you're going to screw up. But it's like, it really is. You're just going to do it exactly right. You know, we'll figure it out when we're out there. there. Yeah. 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 But like, you don't, you don't, that's the way life works. It just, it works or it doesn't, you know, Mm -hmm. and you have to kind of just like roll with the punches or, or like you have to make the effort. But you just have to accept the fact it'll happen when it happens, you know. And so that being said, with Peter and Sarah at the beginning of the movie, uh, or just like, I don't think, I don't think Peter could have ended that relationship.
0: No, I think, he's way I think too he dependent on her. I mean, yeah. as soon as they break up, he's singing songs like, Peter, you suck. Peter, you suck. Peter, you don't have anything of value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he he thinks of himself as, as nothing. And he uses self-deprecating humor throughout the whole movie. And like, yeah, that's like very relatable. It's very disarming. But like there's an element of truth in that. As someone who uses self-deprecating humor quite a bit. Yeah. Yes, it is a way of like diffusing and making yourself seem safe around people, and like making yourself relatable to people. But at the same time, there is s- such an element of truth in what you're saying about yourself. You yeah. know, you no, truly believe, totally believe it. Yeah, you totally believe what you're what you're making a joke about, but you're phrasing it in a way that makes it seem like you're kidding. But truthfully, yeah. you're not. And Peter yeah. does it constantly, and and undercuts yeah. himself. Oh, like I'm not a musician. I just do tones on the show, and you know he constantly is undercutting himself,
1: you know? Yeah. And so I guess it's like he, he, because he couldn't have done it. Like it's, he didn't choose when to grow. You know what I mean? Like, and I think, I think that's relevant. I think, and, and that's, it's really what I'm getting at. I think with what like my thesis is, is like, you really have to like let go letting go doesn't (laughs) letting go might mean you're letting go on the side of a cliff. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it it might be scary, but I do think that Mila Kunis is right. Or, or Rachel is right when she's like, you'll be fine. Like, like you have to believe you're going to be fine. And Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think you, like I said, I don't think you have a whole lot of control over when and how you let go. Um, it's just, you have to believe that you'll be fine when the time comes.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I want to circle back to, to Sarah for real quick here, cause this is something interesting and talking about comfort zones in particular. So like we said, Sarah is established. She's, she's good. She feels like she's set. Right, she's kind of yeah. on this semi-arrogant. She seems like she's a little bit arrogant, and like she's a little bit full of sure. herself through a lot of the movie. Yeah. And like, th- there's a moment during that breakup where like, oh, so a lot of the advertising for this for this film was they put up a lot of billboards and they did this like whole like I hate Sarah Marshall campaign. Yeah. Um, they put up a bunch of I hate Sarah Marshall posters. They would even. S- on the day the movie premiered, they they paid to have "I Hate Sarah Marshall" sky written in the sky, and like real Sarah yeah. Marshall's in the world were getting like phone calls from their friends, like "Are you? Is everything okay? Like, are you and your your significant other all right?" And like, yeah, like so they, they got a lot of complaints about it. But like, it's this whole like I hate this person. So like, it seems like the movie wants us to hate her a little bit, like wants us to be yeah. angry at her, like Peter is, but like. And I was when I was younger. I think when I was younger and I watched this movie, I did not like Sarah. Like, Sarah seemed like the bad guy to me. And she's not necessarily the good guy, quote unquote, but she. But when I watched it this time recently, there's that she gives that little mini monologue of, like, why are we breaking up? And, like, Peter just doesn't understand. And she, like, gives this whole speech about, like, I've tried so hard in this relationship. Yeah. Like, I didn't, not just yeah. leaving. Because I'm being selfish and because, like, you're not good enough for me. She's like, I've put so much into this relationship and you just aren't going with me, you know? Yeah. She's like, I feel like I'm moving forward and I feel like you're holding, like, an anchor. And you're holding me down. You're, she was, yeah. she uses, I can't drown with you. No, you, you, know?
1: you, you see the other side of the coin, definitely. Mm-hmm. Which I, I appreciate, you know, like mm-hmm. that's when you go, oh, no, like Sarah really cared. She cared mm-hmm. probably more than he did and then just couldn't do it anymore. She mm-hmm. did care more than he did because she was trying and he wasn't. He was just there, you know, mm-hmm. Let it, just being comfortable. And she was like, uncomfortable.
0: Mm-hmm. And I believe her when, she's, when she <coughs> says, like, I, I did everything I could to, yeah. to, yeah. to make this – to help you – get to where you, you want to be and where you need to be and you just couldn't do it. And like sure, like she cheated on him and that's not that's not great behavior. And I think like she's super flawed. And we see that when her show gets canceled. Right? We see well, her 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 comfort zone break. And what yeah, does she do immediately? She loses,
1: and then she loses Aldous, right?
0: And yeah. And then what does she do so immediately? She reach she's drowning and he's he's floating. Right, he's been buoyed up, and now she's drowning. And what does she do? She reaches for a comfort zone. She reaches for security, yeah, safety. He's safety,
1: yeah. And and that scene, that scene is so so great because that's what it's like, really. You know, it's like not ever, like you know, I. To start getting to maybe start or finish, I don't know, we're getting close to the end here, but... We got time. Uh, yeah, I, I just... Uh, you know, I've been through a lot of breakups, um, and it's not ever easy. It's it's very, very rarely just like one and done conversation, you know? Um, there might be another conversation where you get back together, back and forth, back and forth, you know, or it it it's nev- you don't it's hardly ever over when it's over you know um and if it is that means that like something like you had to draw a hard line in the mm-hmm. sand to be able to move on and uh yeah so like that scene where where they're both showing weakness is really real to me like it's really like human you know and and, like, even even as, like, he can't perform, like, is very interesting, you know, because mm-hmm. his head is somewhere else um, the whole time. Even though, like, he's weak as a person, like, I, I love that, like, when he's, like, as a man, he's, like, like oh, you can keep trying, you can keep going, you know, like, like he's so... He so easily succumbs to like her, his desire to be with her that Mm -hmm. he's like, even though he can like physically see it's not working, he still is allowing it her to try, you know? Mm And um, I mean, apparently that was a problem in their relationship is he, he couldn't perform sometimes when he drinks, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know? And like, it sounds like that, it sounds like he, was not sexually interested usually in Sarah like he could be, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like, yeah sometimes you
0: know, it you know his desire to to drink and numb himself was more than his yeah, desire to yeah. be physical
1: and intimate with her yeah um I mean, and especially res, as a reflection with her being with Aldous, who's like all sex all the time yeah you know so yeah, and
0: and something also interesting that I really like was that moment where she sees him, or where he sees her at the at the bar by herself, and she seems a little bit distraught. He walks over to her. He says hi, and she's like, "Our show got canceled," you know. And he's like, "Oh, how are you feeling?" And she kind of gives that like packaged answer that like we we give to yeah. all of our significant others and our, our families and things like that whenever we want them to not worry about us, right? Oh, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. This is this, you know, I can, you know, this is an opportunity for me to do this and that. You know, it's that's bull crap, obviously. That's not how you really feel. And so there's that moment where he's like, look, we're like past this as, as in our relationship. Um, like, don't bullshit me. Just tell me how you feel. Like, stop. Yeah. Stop. You know, and then there's that great conversation that they have where it's like, you know, where he legitimately, as somebody who does care about her, even though they've had their bumps, like, does comfort her. And does make her well, feel
1: better. Yeah. And and that's because he's grown, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's from getting to know Rachel and her no bullshit, bullshit attitude that he's, I think, able to kind of take on that that role, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, and it's and it's it's Rachel who's been comforting him this whole time. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like he's learning from Rachel how to comfort. And mm-hmm. I mean, because if you look at the beginning of the relationship, like from the beginning of the movie, all he does is lie to Sarah, like, mm-hmm. like when he's in the relationship, he's like, what do you she's like, what are you doing uh, working? And he's eating a bowl of Fruit Loops. And she's like, what are you eating? And he's like, salad, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. like, he's just lying to stay comfortable. Mm-hmm. And he, he gets by on his like funny personality, you know. Mm-hmm. And because he's got, he's so fun to be around that she loves him, you know. Mm-hmm. But he's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. But so I, 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 would like to bring for, up there all
0: the all the snow of it all real quick here, and his role okay. in this movie before we get into a little bit more personal stuff because I, you know, me and you both have some stories and some, you know relationship stuff that like is messy, you know? Um which this movie definitely dives yeah. into the messiness of like I said the messiness of breakups and and the the clean breaks don't exist, you know? No. They just don't. But Alda Snow I think is so interesting of a character because he's behavior-wise probably one of the more gross characters. Like kind yeah. of his behavior is kind of gross. But the thing that he does that's makes him a little bit charming and, and like, why he got a spinoff and was so popular is because he's so confident and he is unapologetically, for better or worse, fully himself.
1: Yeah, he's right? authentic.
0: He's authentic. We talked about that, yeah, last week about authenticity. He is authentically himself and it's through his confidence that, like, Peter starts to gain confidence in himself. Like, Aldous Snow... Several times throughout this movie validates Peter. Oh, I, I you know I was listening to Sarah's iPod and most of that music sucks, but I came across a song that I thought was really good, and it was your song. he's like, yeah, he's like, I think you're pretty great, and that's a rock, a world famous rock star. He's you know, the like, most
1: like he's the biggest celebrity in the movie, right? You know, right? Like he's
0: yeah, he's like a Mick Jagger type of rock star, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. he's huge in in this world. And so, yeah. um, to have that person be like, you're very talented, you know, and I like you. Yeah, like, even though Peter like wants to hate him, he can't. It's like when like he's just so genuinely him. He's like, it's all job. and then he's like, hey, by the way, I, and you can believe out like all this when he says that he likes something, you know, he would yeah. not lie about it almost, you know, yeah. He, and so
1: Peter and gains big, confidence big in
0: his little interactions with all this because all this is so confident.
1: And, uh, Aldis, Aldis, knows. So like self-acceptance is a huge part of personal growth, you know, mm-hmm. like Aldis, Aldis is sober, you know, because he knows, he knows that if he drinks, he's going to be, he's going to rage, you know? Mm-hmm. And and like, <laughs> what did say? He's like, he, he'd be like looking some waiter's butthole for a crack rock or something like that. Yeah, like he. So it's like Aldis. I mean, Aldis is really like, in a lot of ways, the most advanced person in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when like he's the only one that's like in the the sex off scene. That's mm-hmm. like this is this is this yeah. is cool. this is bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm not, I yeah, eat, I'm not doing this. Yeah, like he he might seem like he's bullshit, 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 which is like the most quotable line in the movie to me. <laughs> bullshit, 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 bullshit. bullshit.
0: bullshit, bullshit,
1: bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but like he's not really bullshit. Like he's actually like himself. Mm-hmm. And I, he says a line in this movie that blew me away this time, and it it hit me in a way, and I'm like I'm trying to figure out figure it out a little bit and how I feel about it. But there it's like, it's, it's like one line and it's so under the radar. Um, he go, somebody goes, Oh, you're the, you're the really famous rock star. All snow, like the world famous rock star, aren't you? And he's like, yeah, for my sins. And <laughs> it just, they just move on. They just move on from that. And it's like psychologically a very fascinating statement. Like, Mm-hmm. he is, he thinks he's famous. He, he's a world famous rock star, but the only reason he's famous is because of the things he hates about himself. Like mm-hmm. the things that he has done that he regrets. And so that's super cool to think about, like super cool to be like, man, that would suck to get famous that way. You know, it's like now mm-hmm. you have to live like this and everybody thinks you're awesome and you hate yourself. So it's like to work through that, is fascinating. I think, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and and so like it's easy for, for us to look back at that character, and be like that character is a little bit problematic in a lot of ways. Yeah, but like you're right. There is a there is something about that person that you can acknowledge their flaws. As, like his authentic self is maybe not the best person.
1: No, but nobody's is. That's right, what's, exactly. But,
0: but there's something so to learn about. from those type of people, of people who yeah. are just so. So fully themselves and had, like I said, full acceptance of themselves. Well,
1: but I think that's, I think that's really it, right? Is like, is if you are fully yourself, you're not going to be that great of a person. You're just a person. But mm-hmm. it's figuring out how to be your full self without harming others, you know, mm-hmm. without like, you have to, you have to like, you have to let your shit out, you know, if you don't mm-hmm. let your shit out, it just builds up and then you end up harming somebody. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and that's what we see that in
0: Sarah and Peter's relationship, and and even yeah.
1: get, it bleed into
0: Peter and and Rachel's relationship, and then also Sarah and Aldous's relationship, because Peter and Sarah aren't able to get in Rachel to an extent aren't able to get past their some of their their hangups, and, and it's yeah. not until they are that they're able to get through it, and so, like I'm going to share. I mean, we've talked about this on this show before that I've really only had like one significant relationship and it wasn't very long lasting, but it emotionally was significant for me. And that relationship started way late into my senior year of college, um, like February or March, like a couple of months from graduating Type of, type of relationship. That wasn't supposed to be as as serious, at least emotionally serious, as it became. But then, the summer comes around. We're still together four or five months later. We're kind of talking about like future plans, like holidays and and family and things like that. Like casually bringing up those types of conversations, but it's not really casual. In that's in that context. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then I get my internship at American Theater Company in Chicago. So now I got to move, which was really what was the plan all along. And we briefly had the long-distance discussion, and I would have done it. It would have been hard, but I I would have done it. I would have pushed through the difficulty and tried. Um, she didn't want to. So mm. we broke up, and – as quote unquote clean as that is, it it definitely was unresolved for a very long time for me. Um, those feelings were were definitely still there for quite some time. And then I remember, I we were still kind of texting back and forth in my first couple of weeks in Chicago. Uh, and then at one point, she's like, oh, I don't think we should we should text anymore." And was, that was tough, but I was like, "Okay." Yeah. Um. So tried to move on as time went on in that first year. And then one point she, she texts me and she's like, Hey, I'm going to be in Chicago um, for a theater conference, a collegiate theater conference. She asked me if I knew any actors who could be in this stage reading that she was doing, if I could recommend anybody. Um, I was like, yeah, let me give you some names. Um, but while you're in town, like what's, catch up. Let's, you know, grab a bite, grab a drink, coffee, whatever, you know, whatever you're available for. Like, let's, uh, let's do that. Um, and she's like, yeah, absolutely. I'll let you know. And then she never gets back to me. I was like, okay. But, a uh, 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 former classmate of both of ours was also at that conference coming from a different school. He had transferred and was teaching at a different school, uh, university after that. And he was also coming to that same conference. And he messaged me months in advance, not like a week in advance, months in advance. And was like, hey, I'm going to be in town. Let's get food. You know, let's catch up. So I drive down to downtown to see him. He's like, come to the stage reading I'm doing. And then we'll go grab a bite before I head to the airport. I was like, cool. I get to the, 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 the hotel. And he's like, hey, did you, like our class, like our, our old class is, is here, you know, from, from Mizzou. And I was like, oh, really? And he's like, and you know, like, blah, blah, blah is here, the, the, my ex. He didn't know that she was my ex because we, oh, wow. we didn't tell anybody that we were, especially any of the other grad students, we didn't tell any of them that we were dating because it's a little, it's not against the rules, but it's definitely not like people aren't excited about when that stuff happens. Yeah. So like we we didn't, weren't telling a whole lot of people. So a lot of people, I graduated with a lot of people not knowing that we were together. Um. At all, and it was a five-month relationship, so it was a long time of hiding stuff. But anyway, he had no idea that we had dated. So he's like, "Hey, you know, like they're all here," and I was like, "Oh, really? That's interesting." <laughs> he's like, "So you told them that I'm here," and he's like, "Yeah, I told them that you're here." And I was like, "It's <laughs> like that's great." <laughs> and it's like they they said they may join us for for lunch. And I was like, "All right, cool, whatever." And so I go through the play reading. And we're getting ready to head over to lunch. And he's like, oh, they just they just texted me and they said they're not coming. I was like, I figured probably hmm. not. <laughs> and so I told him while we were at lunch, I was like, you know, like me and this person used to, we're seeing each other before I moved here. He's like, oh, no. <laughs> and so <laughs> it was crazy. So anyway, I had lunch with him. It was perfectly like it was a great lunch, perfectly pleasant. I'm driving back to my apartment and I get a text from from this girl. Why didn't you tell me you were at the hotel? It's like, I didn't know you were at the hotel until we were leaving the hotel. Mm-hmm. You knew I was there. Why didn't you say something? You know, you knew I was there the whole time. Hmm. She got mad at me because I didn't tell her I was there.
1: That's just her gaslighting you, I think. I think See, it's that's what, think and, it and, Yeah.
0: And so like now I'm like, I'm like, look, like I had to work really hard to try and like get through – this unresolved feelings that I have for you. And then you're going to like play with me like this. Right. And it, it, yeah. it's really tough. And like, I was trying to be very mature about it. Like I said, like I, I put the ball in her court if she wanted to hang out. She never got to me. I didn't, you know, didn't make a big deal about it. I was like, okay, I could accept that. And then, and then she puts, tries to throw it on me all this, like, Oh, you, are you trying to like hide from me stuff? But what that did, honestly, this is where, and we talked about this on the show before. This is the same person. This is where that situation ignited again those unresolved feelings of like this person that a couple yeah. years later manifested again where I was getting ready to move to L.A. But I had – one of my plays was going to be read at my old university um, and so I was going to drive down, stop there um, and then go home to St. Louis, and then go to then go to LA. Um, and so, bef- after it had been announced that I was going to be at this play festival, um, I had gotten some drunk texts from this girl. Um, just out mm-hmm. of nowhere, um, yeah. it was like late night, really, um, some interesting stuff. Um, and it threw me off because like, does she know I'm going to be in in town? Is that why she's like texting me? Is she trying to like start a conversation of some sort and it freaked me out honestly like it really freaked me out because it's like I don't know how I feel about seeing this person after what happened a couple years ago we haven't talked since then like I I don't know I feel unsafe emotionally not unsafe physically but emotionally I felt unsafe and vulnerable and I was like I don't know if I can see this person so I, I didn't respond to those texts came into town didn't tell her I was there Caught up with some old friends and some old professors, then left. I think once again, as I was leaving that, as I was leaving my college town, going home, get texts. You didn't tell me you were in town. And this time, I was like, this time, I was like, yeah, I purposely didn't do that. You know, this was on purpose this time.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, because I'm afraid of you. Like, I don't know what seeing you and talking to you is going to do to me like it's spent i spent 3 years trying to get over you and obviously i'm still not you know yeah so like i don't know what would have happened if i would have told you i was in town and seen you but i'm going to be driving through here in a couple of weeks again when i'm heading out to LA do you want to see each other and she's like well i'm moving to i think virginia at that point um so like Next week. So I won't be here. And so there was this like missed opportunity to actually see each other for like the last time type of thing. Yeah, And it's because of all that baggage, right? Like I, I was not able to fully let go of that relationship for a long time. Long time. I feel like I've grown past it now. But like at that time, messy. Messy, messy, messy. And I... I was just not in a place to like be comfortable and emotionally and emotionally stable with it um and it sucked because like now like looking back like I kind of regret not like seeing this person because I I did love her I just do love her as a person you know I think she's a wonderful person
1: there's no um, forgetting Sarah marshall
0: right like, like that that's the whole thing this movie's about trying to Forget some a person, but it's like that person has an impact on you for your whole life, and that person's yeah, gonna be
1: there's no has there's their no stamp forgetting. on you. Yeah, there's no forgetting. It's just yeah, you do move on, you do grow, but you don't you don't forget. You know, mm-hmm. um, you always will have feelings for that person. There's mm-hmm. no there's no way not to. You know, there's they're a part of who you are, and they're mm-hmm. they're a part of. The, your become. growth, yeah. yeah. Um, for me, I mean, I mean, I have been the Sarah in every relationship I have ever had, um, except for this one. <laughs> now you have a yeah, real Sarah. I have a real Sarah, <laughs> um, but that's you know been for me like the heart a very hard thing. You know, uh, I've, I'm in my fifth long-term relationship. The first four I ended and that if you're the, if you are the one that ends relationships, you can't help, but eventually go, wait a minute. Am I the one that's should like, did I give up? You know? Um, so like, I think that I, I was, I definitely wasn't ready for those relationships, but I don't think those relationships were as wrong. Some of them were as wrong for me as I thought they were, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like I have uh, like one person in particular was, you know, was my absolute best friend, but I was, it, it wasn't going to work long-term because I wasn't, physically attracted to this person. Um, and so I realistically, I'm not going to be able to maintain this relationship, you know, and I, uh, I, yeah, I had to get out. Uh, another one, uh, I, it was basically like a mother son relationship. Like I had, like I thought what I thought was my dream girl, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and it became like, and it wasn't really my, my doing, like she was a lot older than I was. So she became like this maternal figure and she was so much like my mother. It started freaking me out, like Mm -hmm. freaking me out. And that, that relationship is probably the one I most regret and how it ended because I did cheat, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but I cheated because it was the only way I knew to do something bad enough for me to have to end the relationship. Mm-hmm. Like because I cheated and I've kind of talked about this before on the podcast, like because I cheated, therefore I must end relationship like a stick of dynamite. Mm-hmm. Then I had, uh, my first relationship, my first relationship's complicated because it came back. Like it was like the girl I lost my virginity to, Uh, and then we like stayed connected for while I went through two other relationships. And then on the tail end of it, uh, it, on the tail end of my, one of those relationships, I got back together with this person and that one, I mean, that will screw you up. Like if you ever choose to, (laughs) if you ever choose Don't just don't get back together with somebody, you know, like make the choice and move forward because it will just really, really mess up your, your thinking.
0: Well, what about, I I was going to ask this after we, 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 but this kind of, you kind of prompted it a little bit. What about the uh, Peter and Rachel situation here where Peter kind of cheats on Rachel in this situation? Um, I think a lot of people might have. So, so. This is a question about relationships that I I've never had this happen before necessarily, but like the way that people view people that have cheated and stayed in the relationship is really weird. It's like if you're with somebody who's cheated on you, people look at you in a way or like treat you in a way of like, yeah, like once lost a cheater, always a cheater. I've, yeah, I've lost res- well, I've lost respect for the person that stays yeah. with somebody that cheated on them. Yeah. Like
1: I think that's I think it's a really complicated thing. It is complicated. And I think we can see Rachel's personal growth by the fact that she's willing to give Peter another chance. Mm-hmm. You know, like because it seems like Rachel is like has that once a cheater always a cheater mindset and like mm-hmm. and maybe that's like maybe the real reason she's still on the island is she's trying to punish she's trying to punish ex? her ex. Yeah. And so, like, and the way that the way that Peter like tells her immediately, and it's not, and it's like, and she has to. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, like, cut the guy some slack. You've known him a week. He's here with his ex girlfriend, who he's heartbroken over. Like, he has like every reason in the world to be weak in in this situation, mm-hmm. show weakness in this situation. And that's
0: what everybody around her says. Like, everybody's yeah. like, like. You got to give a little bit of empathy yeah, here of like yeah, he's yeah. like you guys jump into this thing and like it it could be real and beautiful but like he's still processing this yeah
1: yeah
0: f- I mean, 5 year relationship that he just lost
1: right And where where yeah and where she's I think where she's right is he doesn't need to be with anybody
0: No that's you know? true
1: he she, he does he doesn't but where she's wrong is like don't call me don't text me don't email me She's like, what exactly did you do? And then the moment there's like any, like the sec, there was no actual real sexual interaction. He didn't get aroused. It was like, that again, there's, there's definitely room for debate. But like, yeah, but it's like, it's like, it's like, she, she just immediately was like, never talk to me again. You know? Mm -hmm. And, and then she, that's not even really what she wanted. That's not even really like, Cause she did wish she called. And I mean, so like, yeah, I mean, th- that's where she grows uh, is to like, learn to forgive. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like it, maybe that her ex is, isn't right for her. Maybe. Yeah. And maybe her ex cheated on her to so substantially that she's scarred and can't, you know, mm-hmm. see the full picture. But just because like, just because somebody is human and shows weakness does not mean you have to be wrathful, you know, mm-hmm. like there, everybody makes mistakes and grace is really, I mean, my, like what I believe about love is that is what love is, is grace. So it's like if somebody messes up, like you can't. Like you have to take care of yourself to a point, but also you also have to give the other person like benefit of that's the wrong word. It's like it, grace is the only word I know how to, I know to use here. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like nobody's perfect. Everybody's going to mess up, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think every cheating situation, I think it depends. Like I, I really do believe that it's a... It's really going to depend on the relationship. It's
0: well, I totally agree with you. And like, this is a fear that I have personally. I've talked about this recently with somebody um, in my most recent romantic dalliance, as it were. Um, I have have a a very thanks Uh, because it wasn't like a relationship, full relationship, because it happened during the pandemic. It was kind of long distance. We never actually like physically like were together during this time. But as somebody who I was very close with, who I'd been friends with for years and years, and we were definitely being intimate with each other without being physical with each other, if that makes sense. Yes. And I have a very big fear. And this comes from like a little bit of like self-worth issues, self-value issues, kind of very like Peter. But like, and the fact that I just don't have a lot of romantic uh, um, validation. I haven't had a lot of romantic validation. I st- have a belief that's like rooted in me that if I'm not like the perfect partner, that that person is going to to break up with me, right? Yeah. If I if yeah. I I have I cannot make a single mistake or because I'm I'm so not worth loving that as soon as I make a mistake it's like oh well yep yeah, see you're not worth it kind of thing and it can, doesn't even have to be a big mistake it's just, it's, it's I'm anxious about small mistakes. And that, like, anxiety about making a small mistake, doing the wrong thing, caused me to, to make a decision that was probably the wrong decision. And when the, the person, my partner, found out about it, it was a betrayal of trust, right? It wasn't anything yeah. super, super serious, but it was enough that that person was like, we're not together anymore and we, we will never be together. I, she, she even questioned whether or not she wanted to be friends with me anymore after this situation. And like, that hurt me a lot that she would say, like, I didn't even know if I want to be friends with you anymore after this.
1: And that's, that's where I mean is like, there needs to be a level of grace in a relationship, you mm -hmm. know? Like that's, I think, I think if you really know somebody and they mess up and they you know that they didn't want to mess up, like you, there needs to be a level of like, okay, like you pissed me off, but I forgive you. Mm-hmm. try not like all, all you can do is try not to do it again
0: mm-hmm. you know yeah so. and 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 that yeah like i said that really hurt me and and it, it definitely i mean it wrecked our, our friendship it definitely ended the relationship but it it was also for a while there like in the fallout of it i i kind of went into like a really kind of dark spot where like i was like it was almost a confirmation you know it was like a oh yeah you made a mistake and then immediately ruined a friendship yeah. You weren't perfect and immediately that friendship is over. So like it. Well, – something- I've moved past that and I don't believe that necessarily in this situation anymore. But at that time, that's what it felt like. It felt like, a wow, like you well, really do need to be perfect. And this
1: is like – so sometimes and, – and this is something that drives me crazy about us, about people, is you end up committing – like you have to commit the same mistake over and over and over again until – like it. It doesn't usually take one go at something to learn. <laughs> like it takes a lot of fucking up to learn, and uh, and so maybe that. I mean, this and this is coming from like therapy from my past, and like like maybe there is a self fulfilling prophecy there, Ricky. You know, like maybe you choose people that have that expectation of you because you have that expectation of yourself.
0: So I don't, know. I don't know if I do a whole lot of choosing. Uh,
1: I don't know. I don't know. I think it's more. It's probably more subconscious than you realize. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, and that's what that's I'm saying you don't true. have
1: a whole lot of you don't have a lot of control. Um, I I from a I I know this relationship right. I know the relationship you are talking about. I won't say any names. Mm-hmm. From a macro perspective, I think you put effort into this relationship when you didn't need to, and. Mm-hmm. And so eventually like like Ricky you're a really lovable guy. Like you're one of like you're like one of the best dudes, most genuine best dudes I've ever met. And so like yeah, you might come off as a lot and this is com- this is coming this is coming from somebody who comes off as a lot. Mm-hmm. Like you might come off as a lot when you might first meet someone. But Ricky, if if you give anybody enough time with you, you're going to wear them down. <laughs> So like, so what I'm saying is, is you chose this person based off of whatever gut instinct to wear down. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is you shouldn't have to wear people down. You know, like it shouldn't it shouldn't be about you getting them to like you. You know, you should just be able to be Ricky and they like you. You know, mm-hmm. so, and I I like honestly. Maybe you need to become like, I don't, I don't mean to be your therapist here, but maybe you need to, maybe you need to become aware, more aware of when people actually, cause like, maybe that's not even on your radar, bro. Like maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe the way people act when they like you makes you dislike them because you don't have to obtain their, obtain their grace, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like you feel like you have to earn it. And I think, I think that's pretty accurate in you, bro. Is like, you feel like you have to earn everything you get. And uh, yeah, yeah, and I don't think I don't think that's the way it is. Fair enough.
0: Fair enough. All right. I didn't mean to cut you off with of going through your your relationships, but like you know, like I said, it was just a question that I wanted to ask you about you know the complexity of like making mistakes in relationships and things like that, and particularly with cheating.
1: You know, yeah, like, I've made
0: a lot of mistakes. People have and such uh, views about cheater, cheating.
1: I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, I'm still learning. Um, I still make mistakes. Um, for me, I'm, I'm, you know, I have. I think the only thing I've wanted as much, if not more, in this world uh, than like an acting or like a. An artistic career is a, is to be with the person I'm supposed to be with, you know, and it is by far the, it's definitely the catalyst to my own personal, like it has made me work on myself more than anything else is my desire to be with the right person. Um, uh, you know, I'm not married yet. I love my partner. She is by far the kindest person I've ever met. Um, You know, only time will tell, Um, but it's relationships are not easy. That's Mm -hmm. what I do know. And a lot of the time, like, like self, you have to work on yourself, but at the same time, like we've said, this whole podcast is like you cannot generate self-growth necessarily. You can want to, but there's a lot of, there's a lot going on, you know? Mm. So, uh, I think I'm probably, I'm probably a better person than I was. Uh, you know, when I was 21, uh, I hope so. Um, I'm definitely I didn't know you person. when
0: you were 21, but I can say I think you're a better person than when I first met you.
1: I think I'm a more authentic person. And I think that's I think that's like I said, that's my journey is like accepting the bad shit about myself. And like I I I feel like I am one foot in all this snow and one foot in Peter. Like I really there's a lot of there's a lot to all this I really uh, understand, mm-hmm. you know, um, but like I still, I still relate to Peter's like drive, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, I think that's a a great place to end our conversation today. Seth, thank you so much for talking about for getting Sarah Marshall with me. Thank you all at home yeah. for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, it's time to talk bullshit, about what's bullshit, next. bullshit,
1: bullshit, bullshit, <laughs> bullshit oh shit, bullshit, shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit,
0: oh shit, oh no more for me, thanks, <laughs> Bullshit, shit, <bullshit. laughs> I think Kristen Bell, honestly, what also we're to talk about like casting, perfect casting Kristen Bell
1: yeah, yeah, um, really great job because
0: like, she she does have like a, a bite to her, like you see a lot of that bite to, in like The Good Place she has a little bit of nastiness to her that like she does so well and yet is so likable like, yeah. like, like, you're a little bit of a, a jerk, but, like, yet so funny and so endearing in so many ways. She's so good at that. What perfect casting. But anyway, uh, it's time to talk about what's next. Uh, so, Seth, I forgot to tell you before we got on the podcast that our guest that we had potentially planned for next week is unavailable. So that means okay. it is your turn to pick. And I know you have a, uh, a little list. Um, yeah, I got, so I got a movie that I,
1: I have a movie that uh, – I got to give cred where creds do. This is inspired by another podcast I listened to called, uh, you must remember this. And they're doing a, um, a sequence right now or a, a like a series about erotic eighties about sex films in the eighties. Oh, okay. Uh, so that I, I just listened to a podcast and I, I, Heard about a movie that I'd never seen before. And I was like, I can't believe I haven't seen have ever seen this movie. And uh, so I think I'd like to do it. Um, and it is American Gigolo. Okay.
0: American Gigolo. American Gigolo. I'm pulling it up right now. So I can tell the folks at home where they can watch
1: this movie. Here we go. It's a, it's okay. a very famous okay. movie.
0: Yes, it is. It is a movie, uh, movie,
1: but we just did Sarah Marshall. So I feel like yeah. we can do a movie, movie.
0: No, it's a movie. Yeah. And it's like, Amer- you know, it's like an uh, Oscar nominated type movie. But, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yes, it's uh, American Gigolo from 1980. It is 1980. If you would like to watch American Gigolo along with us, you can watch American Gigolo on Roku, Sling TV, Amazon Prime, and Philo with a subscription. You can also check it out on YouTube. Google Play, Vudu, and Apple TV to rent, and it looks like you can also watch it with a Paramount Plus subscription. Cool. So that is where you can check out American Gigolo. That is again American Gigolo, the 1980 American Gigolo. Apparently, there is a a new American Gigolo that's coming out this year. I guess 2022.
1: 20, mm. Wow, good timing.
0: Mm. Oh, it's a, oh, it's a series. There's a series okay. American Gigolo that came out this year. Not that one. We're talking about the 1980 movie. <laughs> so, for those of you watching at home, we're going to be watching American Gigolo. Uh, Seth, again, thank you so much for being here. Please go ahead and shout yourself out so the people know where they can find
1: you. Yeah, you can find me set at Seth Adam Crow on Instagram, as well as the Birdie Word on Twitter. That's all one word: T H E B I R D Y W O R D. And you can also find my podcast on. Uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, that's The Crowcast. That's two words, T-H-E-C-R-O-W-E-C-A-S-T.
0: All right. Thank you, Seth. And I am Ricardo Blade Diaz. You can find me at Ricardo Blade Diaz on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, and if you're looking for this show, the What's It About Film Podcast, you can find us on Twitter at What. You can find us on Instagram at What's It About Podcast. And you can find us on TikTok at What's It About Pod. Remember that new episodes come out every Friday morning at 9 a.m. on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's where you can find the show. Again, please, if you want to get involved and tell us what movies you want us to do, what movies you want to see, please interact with us on those those, uh, platforms so we know what you guys want and what you want to hear us talk about. And like I said, who knows? Maybe we might bring some of you on the show. We love bringing on guests. So, I mean, if you're talking with us and you're showing that you're interested – we would probably bring you on. So please do. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. Bye.
1: Adios.